Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back, Mem. Whoop, whoop. Episode five. Episode How five. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> I'm good. Um, feeling a little sorry for myself because a bee stung me yesterday. I swear you're always getting injuries. If you're not like falling over like bikes or like <laughs> busting a tit or something. <laughs> <laughs> I am quite clumsy, but I feel like this wasn't my fault. Um but yeah, so my my um one of my calves is feeling a little larger than life. Um, oh my god! Did it actually swell up? Uh no, but it just when like the I guess poison or whatever it is sort of like spreads, it just feels very hard. Oh, like a mosquito bite sort yeah. of thing, but like, like that area a wider spread, I would say. But mm. um, other than that, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. How about you? Good. I'm good as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everything's cool here. Been up to much? <laughs> um, um, no. <laughs> as as is life these days. As is life. I know. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Um, any updates on your spending, Mim? Oh, okay. So are we starting with a Mim's corner? We can start with a Mim's as you like corner. to put it. <laughs> Um, I haven't bought anything, but the update is that my suit turned up, my brunch suit. <gasps> yeah. Tried it on today. It's nice. It is. It's really nice. The only problem is like the jacket fits perfect. Really nice. You know, I'm really happy with it. The matching trousers, obviously I bought it not because I liked the trousers, but it's just like, it matches the jacket sort of thing. The trousers aren't lined, which is really annoying because then you get like, and they're velvet. The, the, the jacket seems no that's a different pair of trousers this is the (laughs) (laughs) this is the suit this is like the you know which means that like the suit jacket has more of a white opaque color Mm -hmm. and the trousers looks like my skin is kind of coming through yeah in regards to the other trousers though the velvet ones surprise surprise mr big doesn't like them doesn't pretty much (laughs) like anything i get or anything i wear he thinks they look hobo he was like you need to wear something that will no i get this all the time don't worry i get nothing but insults about my clothes <laughs> so, um, you're doing something right. yeah but yeah i still like them i will be wearing them just maybe not around him nice. yeah so you feel fulfilled <laughs> yeah i do i do yeah hopefully it stays that way isn't it it's not really about the first week is it it's more about it's three months in month. and you're shaking on your bedroom floor because you want to buy I that thing from Zara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we can get into it. Nice. Well, this is Style Over Substance, in case you didn't know what you clicked on. 
Um, I'm <laughs> Scarlett and I'm Mim. Welcome back. Episode five. What's your fashion mm-hmm. story, Mim? So this week, my fashion story is, um, came across an article. It was about whether subscription services are viable across retail and fashion and it's more that I wanted to pose the question to you we were on the train going somewhere and there was this it was an advert I can't remember if it was on the train or if it was on like you know one of those like Instagram Mm. sponsored posts I'm just gonna say Mr Big because to be honest I don't really want to mention him on this podcast (laughs) I Um, like it he was like um was like have you seen this and I was watching it I was like oh yeah and it was obviously advertising a subscription service for guys where every week or month or depending on the rate that you choose they would send you like a whole new outfit Mm. so you would get the trainers t-shirt jeans or okay different combinations and basically they would um ask you what your style is and all that stuff and compile and like curate your wardrobe and you would get like a a new look every month let's say and so mr big was like oh who would who would do that and i was like that's actually a really big like growing thing at the moment like you have like other companies like stitch fix who are seemingly as far as I know doing quite well and I guess I said to him like I think it's for the person who maybe has a very simple sense of style or wants basics and they can't be bothered to go out and search for it and just wants something an easy service I don't know if it's for the person who's a bit of a fashionista and has like a very particular style I think subscription service might be a bit of a hassle I don't know what's your thoughts I don't know. I've personally never like been inclined to do one only because I'm quite specific with clothes I like. It's not about necessarily mm. quality, but over really weird things, I think maybe having worked in like sort of cre- like creative stuff, like I'm really funny about prints. I'm re- like certain things like I'm mm. really particular over, but I know my brother a few years ago got sent like worked with a company that was doing a subscription thing and it was less of just an outfit but just loads of options and basically the concept was that you would get tick a few boxes of what you were looking for say you might have an upcoming Mm, holiday you'd say I'm in the market for some summer clothes or whatever it might be and they would send stuff over and you only paid for what you kept and so yeah. yeah And so that worked quite well with him. And my brother's really into actually his clothes. And so we got some funky stuff. I think I'd like it in that regard of like, you know, sometimes you're scrolling through some like pretty similar websites and similar shops that you always go on and you're not really Mm -hmm. inspired. Nothing jumps out. It's quite nice to be introduced to new brands maybe. Um, But it depends obviously who they partner with. But I don't know, it could be really cool actually. Would you sign up to it though? Would you take a risk on something like Stitch Fix? I, I don't think I would. A, because I think it's really expensive. Um, I think they, I think they send you nice clothes. Like I don't think it's mm. kind of going to be like high street prices. And also, I, I'm somebody where like you know when you do that classic thing. I don't know if it's that classic, but you order quite a few things and you know you can't keep them all. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know what that reminds me? That is like classic uni behaviour. Yeah. When you. <laughs> when you're going out and you need a bunch of things and this one like ASOS was like really popping and you you're only going to keep one thing because a you're broke yeah um yeah 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 so I often and it will often be that you just don't know some things don't suit you you never know especially with online stuff about the fabric and whatever or the fit 
and at the moment as well mm. loads of clothes aren't even photoed on a person so who knows how some things fit but yeah so I think that it would be the risk that you play when you do that where like you kind of want to keep it all and I don't know if I would like being shown loads of clothes and then be like I can't keep yeah. them all but how do I cite, like decide what to send back because um, that's always really tricky if like I mean very rarely does it happen to me that everything I love but sometimes you do have to have that internal battle of oh can I keep that second thing or like I was meant to send mm-hmm. one of you back yeah um, exactly exactly I think that's where it can get expensive when you end up keeping things that you don't want to keep but you just maybe got too lazy to send back yeah but um so this this article that kind of that I started reading into, I think these figures are for the US, but I thought it was just interesting to like tell you. It says, um, the article is on Retail Dive, and it says, according to an April survey from Zorora, Zora, something like that, (laughs) (laughs) um, 88.6% of subscription-based businesses said memberships were either flat or growing during the start of the pandemic with 22.5 reporting that memberships accelerated during the period so maybe it's for people who like can't get out the house i don't know yeah and i mean i don't know how great postage stuff like that is in the u.s like maybe stuff isn't as easily delivered like here most Mm. we're small aren't we like most stuff you can get basically the next day Um, yeah but yeah i mean i'd maybe try one would you try one no (laughs) (laughs) no i mean like a subscription service can sponsor us and i'll use their service (laughs) but i get i guess it's the same thing of you know how some shops and especially department stores would probably offer you to have like um a stylist or someone help you with personal shopping Mm-mm-mm. I don't really want someone to tell me how to dress because actually like I think we're quite similar sometimes I might not look the way people like you're saying like if Mr Big doesn't like your trousers but if they make mm. you feel good or like you just fancy wearing mm. them or that's how you want to express yourself that day like mm. I've got loads of different like personas I guess in clothing and I kind of don't want someone to tell me what they should be mm, um, yeah, if yeah, that yeah. makes sense Um, I just think it would end up being quite wasteful for me. Like, mm -hmm. I have enough clothes as it is. Like, the only thing that I would need on subscription are, like, white T-shirts because they're just stuff that I wear a lot. Yeah. Like, under under jumpers and, like, under jackets. Yes, like like you were saying, the classics. Yeah, but then it gets to the point that I don't need a new white T-shirt every month. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it something that, like, David Beckham supposedly threw his Calvin Klein's away after one wear or something like that? It was like him or Justin Bieber, Uh, one of those two. Um, Yeah. Anyway, what's your uh, fashion story this week? So my fashion story is talking about um, the recycled wedding dress that Princess Beatrice wore in her sort of little secret hidden <gasps> wedding. Oh, that was recycled. This? Because yeah. no, I didn't know it was recycled, it was but I will say, stop. It was the Queen's. Really? I will go check out our Instagram. I will post a photo of the Queen wearing it and then oh, Princess Beatrice. Oh. And there's very slight amendments but a, I just think that's kind of really cool, um, mm. especially right now. And obviously it was a quick sort of wedding and it wasn't so mm-hmm. elaborate. There wasn't, it wasn't filmed on telly and all of that, that like ordeal. But I thought that was really cool. I really liked that. I will say I saw the dress and I was like, I hate the sleeves on it. 
So the, the that sleeves. was the addition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the sleeves, they could have left them. You know what she should have done? Just had like long, full length, simple mm. sleeves. So it, because it the was, rest it of the was dress stra- was, it was nice. strapless before. It was it, not, not strapless, um, just the thin, thin straps before. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But I just, I, th- I just thought that was, um, I, I also think, like, what well, obviously we think highly of her, I guess, because she's the queen in terms of, like, wow, what a privilege. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's also kind of like Hanan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's your girl, isn't it? Still, like, what a privilege the queen has lent you a dress to wear. I think that's kind of cool. But the queen lends, like, all the women who are getting married, like, tiaras. Yeah, so she wore the same so... tiara the queen did on her wedding day as well. Yeah, which I think so is that's... quite special. That's a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, po- definitely post those pictures because yeah. I haven't seen the Queen wearing it. That's a surprise to me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, so I thought I thought that maybe maybe that's a trend we'll start seeing a bit more. I'll hit up the Queen when I get married. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be your own nan. <laughs> it's not supposed to be someone else's nan. Uh, anyway this week um quite looking forward to this because it is a story time it's been it's been quite a while since we heard a story time from you it was right at the beginning so um yeah i'm looking forward to hearing your tales again (laughs) go ahead take it away okay so i think it was maybe episode three that um i mentioned that i coined the nickname scarlet of (gasps) swarovski at yes. one of my companies. Um, a Russian princess. I am the Russian princess. So yeah, I was going to tell the story of how that came to be. And part of that, give a bit of an insight into sort of the design process that came with it, which is obviously how it came about. So it was a while back and we were designing a collection. And so the initial stages would be that we would design all the new shapes for the collection and send those out for our factory to start working on the first prototype. Mm. And And this was for your, sorry, just for clarification, this was for when you were working in leather goods. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, this is the process that we used for leather goods because they, you can't make up a sample um, in your showroom that easily or in your um yeah we had we were in that stage where we knew sort of the theme obviously of the collection and we then were awaiting the prototypes so that's the kind of time that we would start looking at surface design and embellishment or print pattern something Mm -hmm. to kind of apply to the bags And that Mm -hmm. was something that I kind of heavily focused on at one point was I was kind of, if there was anything on the bag, that was what I focused on after this project because it became (laughs) (laughs) such a labour of love. What the concept that we wanted for our elevated tier were Mm -hmm. Swarovski scenes. So we were going to create images out of Swarovskis. And I don't mean like a full portrait, but like a little like... Like some meadows. (laughs) It'd be like like someone walking there, like a little like animated, like someone won't be walking their dog, like the sun in the sky, like someone on a beach, like a turtle, like different, like little scenes (laughs) a bit like that. So the start of this project was just putting together and trying to obviously create scenes or things animals people out of the different so shapes like, of Swarovski 
would you or someone else sketch an illustration or a scene or an idea and then it was about you taking that and being like how in practice will this look with the Swarovskis with the stitching or whatever what we have at our disposal how will that look on the bag and the panels and everything no you so doing it was more loads of us like the whole team would sit and we'd all just see what we could make from the shape so instead of having we need to achieve this it sort of started with what can we do and then it started with oh well let's that looks like a person why don't we have them walking a dog like adding a bit of like Mm. humor and a bit more dimension to the different scenes or characters so there were a few ideas that we tried like had to achieve but for the most part it was sort Mm. of free reign so this was across the entire accessories range that we were going to be using this um technique and so every single style had a different scene so it wasn't like oh when you have a print obviously the same print just gets applied to everything but you just make sure the placement is nice with that bag or whatever this was a like no it was no way transferable so not only did then we have to apply everything onto each of the styles, figuring so out... it was like each style... Sorry, yeah. sorry to cut you off. Yeah. So each style, we're talking about like each different silhouette of bag yeah. for the top tier, mm-hmm. you know, pieces that you're not going to do massive runs of. You're just mm-hmm. going to have maybe like five or six of these pieces per style, yeah. per colour, let's say. Yeah. And so you had to come up with like a different design these people walking their dogs and walking their turtles. Yeah. <laughs> but for like a different design on each silhouette, basically. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's correct. And the, the kind of frustrating thing was, is that some would just be lots of continual look that would look the same. You wouldn't notice that the large bag is different to the small like the the large tote is different to the small tote or like the the okay you know you wouldn't notice that the scene actually isn't the same because you're not really going to be buying (laughs) two so it was very frustrating that they were all different but obviously also quite cool but what that came with was we figured out the shapes we wanted but every Mm. stone was going to be different colours and different, like, be vibrant. So then the most painful process of all ensued of not only knowing all the stones we had to order and what size. So I I became very familiar with the Swarovski catalogue, or as I like to call it, the Swarovski (laughs) Bible. Um, So that was the first step, is identifying all of the shapes, all of the sizes, and Mm. making sure that we knew what they were. The next one was making, like, choosing the colours. But if anyone's been familiar with the Swarovski catalogue, not all stones come in all colours. So I spent the entirety of, like, my time just going, can't have it in that colour, can't have it in that colour. And obviously we had a colour palette we were working in in terms of the Swarovski colour card. But it was just a labour of love of saying, can't have it in that colour that only comes in this did you feel like a gatekeeper of like Swarovski's like it was yeah I felt like I was I was like their spokesperson you know (laughs) (laughs) I can't give you that but I could give you like golden like shimmer golden sunsets yeah like 
yeah. oh my gosh um and yeah and I started to sort of know but the hard thing was at one point I was like maybe I need to tell you what colors are available but that exercise yeah. I mean it's in the book for one but that exercise just would have been so painful to try and like articulate them all so once we finally had that done we then had to place that order with Swarovski and it granted like remember this is also just for sampling so this is like one or two of each of them but the amount of different stones so imagine how annoying it is for Swarovski that you go I just want five of that triangle um like but each of them are in a different color like you know normally that's obviously everyone has sampling yeah. quantities but like we were really annoying <laughs> and but then they also come like, back with like sorry go ahead so also like obviously this is Swarovski's business so mm-hmm. any business is good business sort of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. how annoying the request is because you're still paying for it. But at the same time, like, you might order 30 stones, all different colours, all different sizes. They come to the office. Do you have to then, like, play around and try to stick them in placement so that you know how it's going to look and send that across to the factory? And then it's like, what if you lose one of those stones? <laughs> it rolls off the table. And you're like, shit, like, now I need to place an order for one fucking Swarovski. No, so you'd always, you'd always <laughs> order that little extra 10% for like working room and stuff like that. Oh yeah. But then the, uh, you had to make sure you ordered a case for all of them. And yeah, and also some of them, um, you had to specify the backing of the stone because some would come maybe as a hot fix, but you need to, to specify that it was a gem. It was a lot. But then Swarovski would come back with, actually that's out of stock at the moment. We've got to go oh. back to the drawing board of like, <laughs> and check what bag actually had that one on to change and see what colour would look nice there and it might not be a blanket answer for all of them it was just painful but moreover we then had to do a pack of instructions for our factories to apply this and I tell you now if you imagine one of the bags was just absolutely covered the whole surface area with different scenes or different people or different dogs different whatever I would estimate there were maybe like 20 people, maybe maybe not, maybe like 15, like different, what we would call of a, like a different character or whatever that had at least 10 to 12 stones in each. So we'd have to break mm. it down and tell them what comes what. So imagine they just get this Swarovski delivery and like you said, they just got to then figure out oh. what stone goes where. They might oh have God, three triangles not, in. Were you red, not sending yellow, them pictures? Blue. Yeah, but we didn't have them mocked up in the correct colours. So they had like pictures of like our little figures that we'd like put together on a table. But yeah, it was it was absolutely mental trying to sort. That sounds it all horrendous. Out. And so then. Mm. When it came to properly sorting the bags, and to be honest, first time around, like. It didn't take long. There wasn't much back and forth of deciding the design. It was pretty much mm. like it was a one-shot thing, but it, it worked out. But then yeah. it came to sorting out, inputting that into the system. So working with like the, pro- the product development team to help them input into the system because basically, obviously, whatever then gets ordered and sales 
they need to order the correct Swarovskis for that bag and working with them. And then again, working with what Swarovski actually had in stock for that kind Mm. of a thing or working with their minimums to make sure Mm. we hit them and how many bags do we have to sell to like, la, la, la. Yeah. Like it was a logistical nightmare. Because they would say, oh, what's that stone? And I'd literally be like, that's a 422, like in the colour Paradisco, <laughs> like blah, 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 blah. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, again, if customers maybe like we had to have um, a little storage of extras and mm. provide a few extras because they would be prone to fall off. Obviously, you're not meant to vigorously use this bag. But, yeah, it was just like it was crazy I just knew that catalogue so much so in any do you have that do you have that on your CV are you like I have I no not the title not your royal title (laughs) but just like um like you know when you put in your CV it's like I have high expertise in Swarovski (laughs) catalogue very familiar with the Swarovski catalogue I well I really I really enjoyed working on surface stuff because it's a very specific thing there were lots there were lots of elements we had to do to make sure that um the Swarovskis all sat at the correct level because some were thicker than others so we'd have to like engrave into the leather to make sure it sat into the leather and didn't stand out too much it was oh yeah I think that's so interesting because like for someone who doesn't work in design or doesn't work in leather goods and things like a lot of fashion is logistics of it it's like for example in merchandising it's all about the availability of something and how long the availability can last Mm. um, so that you can make the most amount of money you can on something and then to some extent some pieces are meant to be exclusive and meant to sell out and how you get stock like for example how you get Swarovskis how you get enough to the factory for them to make something Mm. and if that gets delivered on time so that they can deliver like it's like back to that bag panels in India story (laughs) no so they can come back on time yeah um something to be available for, some, for you to sell it. It's it's so much about logistics. And I think a lot of the time people who maybe don't work in fashion get hung up on it's all about design. And it just yeah. is, it's just not really. It's definitely not. And even like, I think, I mean, I wanted to kind of share more of the insight into the steps of it to kind of like explain that once the design's done, that's actually like kind of the smallest job or should be in a lot of places and you will continually maybe alter designs and stuff like that that's naturally part of the creative process but Mm -hmm. most of the design cycle would be creating a technical pack to and instructions for the factory to create it amending comments on how the prototypes look like or doing a placement so again like we had to have an exact placement we had to know every bag pattern to be able to place the design exactly so that the factory Mm. had like a almost like a stencil that every Mm. single bag it would be placed in the right place like that and then it has to be a certain amount away from the seam to allow that um the, the foot of the sewing machine can go on if you oh, apply yeah, hardware to make sure there's enough space for the machine to clamp the heart like yeah there's so many like logistics and I actually loved all that I loved like the whole 
technical side of it and um, there's mm. something really satisfying about all the instructions but yeah so but yeah it's i remember because i <laughs> i used to work in uh leather goods as well really like commercial brand so they used to have a lot of the same silhouettes um, yeah. season after season but obviously they used to come out with new families of mm. bags you know the small version the tote the whatever um the briefcase version, all of that. But <laughs> I remember when we used to plan for what would be coming next season and the CAD designs that you used mm. to see are horrendous. They do not look anything like the actual product. So when they oh used to gosh. arrive, you see, like, oh, it's actually kind of nice. Yeah, well, so... <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> it, I think it depends on the brand though so at my like at one place we didn't really care for even really doing a CAD we would mock all the bags up in in paper we would make them in card oh. and you would physically know the exact dimensions and you would properly get do a prototype and we would send that to the factory today and it would show them the mm. construction we would have done it with like staples or with back, double-sided tape we show them the exact construction the dimensions how we like it to look so that we're not super surprised when a prototype comes back but then in my one of my last companies we would have to like render the bags to look so darn lifelike it was crazy so actually you'd get the bag and sure they look different but like you basically made it look as lifelike as possible which took yeah so long and if you think they used to want to do that before even signing off the collection so you have oh, so you've like say you've chosen like 50 fat colors well it wouldn't be 50 it'd be like 20 but you're gonna maybe narrow mm. it down you would have to do mm-hmm. every single option with mm-hmm. every hardware color you potentially use to show in this like lifelike form on the computer, oh, it's painful. Because I guess in like those who have to sign off on yes. new designs and new ranges aren't necessarily in design. They might be in like you're, merchandising. You're your so CEO. Right. It might be your like finance. Like, is this going to be too expensive? Is this going to be detracting from our overall like business strategy? So, like, they have to know what you're talking about. These are exactly. not even necessarily designers. Um, but and it definitely helps ask, with that. Mm, I have to ask because mm. obviously Swarovski tries to position themselves as like we're oh, like the yeah. fancy. We're like the fancy like non-real gemstone i don't even know because it's it's like simulated gem isn't swarovski i'm not sure i really should know this being scarlet of swarovski i know it's it's very it's very premium (laughs) like it it is immediately if you say swarovski it has it has an acclaim it holds anywhere i've worked like you use swarovski like in couture you use swarovski like that's kind of it's the peak of that sort of embellishment and there are other brands who do similar obviously it's kind of like it's branding isn't it so it's kind of like to be able to say it it's like you don't want to say you've got a bedazzled bag you want a like it's a swarovski (laughs) bag but then obviously you've got to make sure Swarovski. As someone who I have never worked in design, but from what I understand, Swarovski is not a real gemstone, but the way they simulate their stones are like they're multifaceted, multifaceted. Yeah. So they shine more, they're more brilliant, the colors more intense. Like technically, they try to be as glittery and fancy as possible. But I mean, 
because they try to position themselves as premium and if like you got Swarovskis on something it's like a more expensive version of the plain version are they actually that expensive yeah to buy yeah Uh, like not one or two but Mm. if you're embellishing an entire bag and it depends on it's like this it's the same I guess when it comes to to jewels the larger and bigger they are because like you said they they are they're cut like they're cut really well and that's what gives it the glimmer and the shine and you Mm. know that sort of that's there's artistry and technique in that but if you think maybe you've got a bag totally covered in it or you've got a dress that's embellished the nines with Swarovski that's when it sort of adds up and also you've got to remember there's that like markup as well so um yeah it is expensive like I think these bags so the regular plain leather version would have retailed for like 750 and the Swarovski Mm. one was over a thousand pounds yeah like I think it was maybe like 12 1200 pounds like it it made quite a difference oh because I know you can get Swarovskis on like your nails yeah yeah so like the smaller you get the much more like I mean, like, they could be, like, 30p per thing or not even. But obviously, mm. the bigger it gets and, yeah. 30p is still quite expensive. If you think yeah, I mean, it. if you've if you got one on your finger, I reckon that wouldn't be that much. But because also they that would be, like, a, a pound a stone mm, in sure. the nail shop. Yeah. they got to get them. I mean, but, like, <laughs> even a wholesale price, 30p a stone. Well, I don't that's know. A, I'm, I'm pulling that figure out of dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were their ambassador. <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm very much was but yeah so that's how I, I became crowned Scarlet of Swarovski and it's funny I still love like if I ever go to fairs I love going to their stands because all these companies are still trying to be innovative and they're still they're continually trying to do something that they haven't been able to achieve yet with their product so I do like going there and or getting their seasonal new gems. Oh, well, do they just come out in like new colours, basically? So they normally sometimes add a few colours. I mean, they're normally not really what you would be using in any sort of luxury fashion, <laughs> uh, I guess. Or it'd be very specific. It's normally that they've created a new shape. So sometimes they've made like a beetle. At, like, oh, or they've got I like see. a new scar- like oh. shapes it's normally different shapes or oh. finishes so they've got a foil or they've applied something to it that glitters or it's it's not normally i mean it's funny because swarovski is not really part of mainstream trend fashion anymore no i, mean, I remember other than it like, was really it? cool yeah like isn't that that brand philip plain that always has that big old skull in the store <laughs> it's like covered in Swarovski oh. and all their jackets have like a, I'm pretty sure it's Philip Plain someone can correct me one are of you not thinking it's um Alexander McQueen no him as well oh, but yeah. Philip Plain is also like the thing is they have it's just like gaudy you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love glittery stuff. I love all that nonsense, but I don't really wear it on my clothes. It's more like an accessories thing. Yeah. But I mean, I remember when I was younger, my main knowledge of like Swarovski or the thing I, I used to like come to mind with Swarovski were those figurines. I don't know if your parents were ever gifted like a Swarovski huh? figurine. So like my parents would that. often be gifted. Like, I think they've got like a 
two snails that are made out of like whatever the Swarovski is. It'd be two Swarovski snails like sat on like a leaf or like we've got a Swarovski monkey in our house. Or my oh no, house. I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, yes, I've seen Yeah, these. so that's yeah, what I like... associated with Swarovski. It was like ornaments. Didn't even know those were Swarovski. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, didn't know. I just thought... I didn't even know they were Swarovski crystals well, as such. I thought they were just glass. Well, I, I guess that's what they are making it all out of. Glasses, like, with pre- make it, you can make it, like, with different pressure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, you got um, a point. But, yeah, so that's what I was associated with Swarovski. I'm personally not a super blingy girl, I must admit. But yeah, you're I, not, did, yeah. I did enjoy that project, I will say. And I, <laughs> I, I do have one of the bags. that is a perk i think we probably need to do an episode about like working in fashion sample sales and like free shit that you really don't need but you have it you would never fashion perks for sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyway yeah great story time scarlet of swarovski (laughs) thanks for tuning for another week guys thank you for the love and the support and the and the follows we're on all podcast channels at this point and on youtube so follow us on twitter on youtube rate us on apple podcasts five star ratings only don't bother with the other numbers (laughs) Um, and leave us a written review because that's really nice and really helpful for you know the algorithm um yeah is there anything else you want to add scarlet i think that's it follow us like subscribe whatever it is just hit those (laughs) buttons (laughs) okay well i've been mim and i've been scarlet thanks guys Bye. bye